Bonanian. But I always think in terms of longevity, and I also think in terms of how am I keeping the car. If I'm leasing it and I'm driving the car three, four years, it, you know, doesn't matter to me. I don't care if it blows up. It's under warranty. It's got a leaky carburetor, a rusted air floor, four broken windows, bullet holes in the door, torn up old seats, and the lock don't fit the key. Now, baby, who would really love this car? doctor so let me ask you the hard question the engine's running the light came on how much further did you have till you got home an hour okay so you drove the car an hour with the oil pressure light on right right so we know it's not oil pressure car won't run an hour with no right. oil pressure welcome to the radio home of ron and anian the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair if your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's something we hope you'll really like. Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. That Tom Ray, he gets me every time. Ron and Annie, the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Without any further ado, let's get this thing fired up and rolling because we got a lot of cars backed up. Going back to Tom in Jersey, about his 99 Suburban. Tom, you're there, sir. Still here, sir. All right. So listen, um, it, it's setting a P1875, you had told us before, and they had done a transfer case motor and a transfer case module. So let's let's back up to where the, way, the way I think the diagnosis should have been done, and maybe it'll bring to light where I think you're going with this. All right. Um, you know, a check engine light will come on because the vehicle is exceeding emissions uh, one and a half times the legal limit, all right? So you said before that they didn't check codes or maybe they didn't check codes because there was no check engine light on. You can have a transfer case fault, a transfer case code, but not turn on the check engine light, all right? Okay. So, you know, you could have, listen, I've got a 2011 Chevy Cruze in the shop. It's getting a valve cover on Monday. It's getting a valve cover because it's set a lean fault code because on a Chevy Cruze, the PCV valve is cast into the plastic cover. The valve goes bad, the diaphragm fails, and it runs lean. So a bad valve cover turned on a check engine light. It exceeded emissions values. But at the same time, when I scanned it for the check engine light fault, I always do a complete module scan. I look at every module on the vehicle to see if anybody's reporting anything. That car is also setting two fault codes for the license plate lights. One's a short to ground, one's a short to battery. Two bulbs are out. So, you know, two bad license plate light bulbs created a fault code in the body computer, but didn't turn on any dashboard warning lights. Because... Dashboard, you know, license plate light bulbs. You think license plate light bulbs not working changes vehicle emissions? No, of course not, right? But it's still a fault. My point is, any mechanic in this day and age has got to start every diagnosis by scanning all the modules. It tells you something. And one of the biggest mistakes I think mechanics make, and I'm not trying to stand on a soapbox, but I am, is they always start with, I think it could be this. How about telling me what it isn't? How about doing a complete scan of all the modules and say, well, I've got no reported faults, so it's it's nothing electronic, it's nothing sensor, it's nothing wiring input, etc. Right? Would you agree with that? I would agree. Makes sense. So, you know, did they throw a you know, what made them throw the transfer case motor at this thing? And that's that's gotta be the question you've got to ask them. Okay? 
if if just because the dash indicator was out, the knob where you turn doesn't mean it's a bad transfer case motor. There had to be some kind of diagnosis there. If you walked into the doctor and you, doc, my elbow hurts, and he said, Tom, we're cutting off your arm, wouldn't you think that's a little extreme? Wouldn't you want some diagnosis made? I would. Same thing. Okay. So how did they get to a transfer case mo uh, motor? And then the next question is, did they? Well, wait. Did they put a? Did they put a a a, re, a reman or a rebuilt transfer case motor in, or is it new? They didn't say whether it was remanufactured or new. Okay. They just said the motor was the motor was burnt out. Okay. And they would replace it. Okay. And then after they put the motor in, they said, "Oh well, your controller is burning the motor out, so we need to replace the controller as well." Yeah. Right. See, that's and I don't I don't think we're diagnosing here. I think we're throwing parts. I'm not getting a warm fuzzy. All right. Because then the next thing they're gonna tell you is burnt out is the control knob on the dashboard. I replaced that myself, so I know that can't be bad. Right. But you know, it's it's one thing to diagnose by saying, Well, I think it's another thing to say this is bad because it has no it has no power, no ground, or these two circuits are shorted or et cetera. All right. So now they did a transfer case motor, and they did a transfer case shift module, and now the vehicle has a P1875 fault code, right? Yes. P1875 is, is generally a fault that, you know, there's a fault in, in um, transmission transfer case-related territory. Is the trans shifting Okay. No. As a matter of fact, after the light came on, I tried to put the transfer case into four-wheel high just to test it, and the control panel went blank and nothing happened. Right. So we still got the same problem. Yes. Right. Sounds like they didn't fix anything, Tom. And it sounds like they didn't fix anything because they've, they, they're throwing parts at this. You know what the nice thing is about a diagnosis? If, if if I can hand somebody a printout that says, hey, look, Tom, I scanned every module on the car. Here's the value in it, all right? For anybody out there that's thinking, hey, why is Ron taking the long way around the barn? I hand somebody a printout. Look, I, I, I scanned all 17 modules on your 99 Suburban, and there's no trouble codes anywhere. That at least tells you what it's not. And isn't that worth something? Instead of... To me, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think to any rational person... Instead of, well, I think it could be this, I think it could be that. Thinking isn't part of diagnosing. Testing is. So, you know, it's, it's, let's, let's start the ball from there. Because there's, there's no easy way for me to guide you on this one, Tom. All right? Because they, they, they've changed too many things. The, 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 the tests are all different now. I think the guide is go find yourself a new mechanic. Yeah. And I think, well, I think you go back and talk to him. How long has this guy been your mechanic? Uh, for about a year or so. Okay. So, you know, you, you remember the old days at WOR. I used to say this all the time, and I still say it now. The, the, the measure of any relationship with a mechanic is not when things are going well. It's when things are going bad. And that's when you walk in with a cup of coffee for you and a cup of coffee for the boss. And you sit down and you have that cup of coffee conversation. Hey, listen, look at it from my perspective. I brought you my car. Here's what happened. I'm getting a feeling like we're just throwing parts at it. And now it's still broken. I've paid you guys a thousand bucks. 
What are you going to do to make me happy? And, you know, if he's got an attitude and, you know, gee, it's not our problem and, you know, gee, there's nothing I can do for you, then don't waste any more time. Did you put it on a credit card? No, I pay cash. Okay. Well, start paying by credit card. Find yourself another mechanic at that point. And that's... Thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. You're welcome, brother. If you need me, you know how to find me. I'm watching you on Facebook, all right? Thank you, my friend. You're welcome. Take care, Big Tom. Um, yeah, tough spot. It's, you know, the problem is they change the parameters of, of what's going on here. And, you know, they put components in. Now, if they put reman, when I say that very lightly, remanufactured transfer case motor in it, you know, I don't understand how anything electrical re can be remanufactured. What if it's an intermittent problem? How do you test it? How can you be sure? All right? Uh, you know, there's there's the potential for too many things that could go wrong exists. And I just I just wouldn't do it. So I, you know, Tom, you know where we are. You know where I'm to find me. Let's go over to Tim. 04 Mercedes and some problems going through a car wash. You know, Tim, if you just stopped washing the car, you'd be all right. What's wrong with you? So how, how can I help, sir? How are you doing today? Good. What's going on? Well, I've got an E500 2004. It's only got 60,000 miles on it. Okay. Great condition. Right. And there's a certain car wash. When I run it through this car wash, uh, my ABS light comes on, the ESP light comes on, much lights on the dash. All right. And I run it through other car washes without a problem. And this one here I've run through three times. The third time was simply because I forgot not to go to that one. And it went to the point, actually, where the speedometer wasn't even working. Um, so that must be connected to this system somehow. So let, and, me, let me ask you this. When you take it through yeah. the car washes, do they all yeah. do the same thing? Are they doing it an above and a, and a below carriage wash? Both have above and below. Um, the one that's creating the problem, I've just made an assumption that it's, it's an undercarriage issue and there's more power on the undercarriage wash, but I could be wrong on that. Okay. And what happens is um, once all these lights and everything come on, within 10 or 15 minutes, what I'm assuming is whatever wire or module has been exposed to moisture dries out, everything goes away, and I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it rains, snows, and, of course, up here in Maine, you know, we get snow and rain all the time. I've heard Never that. have a problem. Yeah. It's just with this one particular car wash, but it's a concern because these problems typically don't get better. You know, right. get yeah, better well, work. right. Um, so I took it to the dealer. They ran a diagnostic, and they said, hey, on a certain date, we saw the main module that controls your ABS, your ESD, that electronic stability thing, um, showed a fault. And but that's like $3,000. But it's not a fault now, so we want to run it through the car wash again. I'm like, whoa, 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 you know, the car's working. Let's not run it through the car wash again because, you know, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. So, you know, I don't think the problem is the computer. It's water getting on at something exposed, in my opinion, and I just can't seem to find anyone that uh, can narrow this down for me. Well, let's... And I get online, and I see all kinds of different things, drain plugs that you need to remove, and on and on and on. Yeah, so, and, you know, my, my, my one thought is, have you owned the car since new? No, I okay. bought it about three years ago. Do you think the car was ever in an accident? No, I know it wasn't. I know the original owner. It's okay. Been, yeah, maintain the garage every night. And you know, when I start getting haunted problems like this, I start thinking mm -hmm. about, you know, weather boots, weather seals, something wasn't assembled right as per the factory. You know, hence, you know, in my 28 years on radio, it's 
it's it's it's not a common phone call. Jerry, my car through the car wash and dash lights come on. So you yeah. think about the number of cars out there and the, and the potential, the number of listeners we have, and you know mm-hmm. why, why is it? You know, you, you've got a problem that's less than one percent of the listening population. That's that's pretty low. So I start thinking about what would change that parameter, what changes that condition. Um, What I would try is, can you go to that car wash that causes it to happen, and can you just get a top wash? I don't know. I've never asked that. You know, that's, it, that's it, a good point. That it, would eliminate the uh, undercarriage. Right, right. and if, if you can get just a top wash and the problem doesn't happen, we know it's on the we know it's down under. If you eliminate the bottom wash and it consistently still happens with just doing the top, then we've got it. You know, where is it? Is it in the front? Is it in the back? Do you take some blue tape and tape the hood, weather shut it? You know, seal it so no water gets in the engine compartment and run it through the car wash and then the problem goes away, then at least you've narrowed it down to that half, that section of the car. You know where to look. Yeah. Right? So yep. do, no, that, th- do that this week. Call me back. I'm curious. All right, brother? I'll do it. All right, you take good care. I'm running Andy the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, Ron and Amy the Car Doctor. we got an SOS here from Michael in Texas. Michael's asking me, hey, Ron, carburetor for a 68 Cutlass. Down the line, down the line, down the line eight. Oh, replacement carb's not working well. The carb looks too small. Size of your fist. Owner is looking for the original in his parts pile. Who is that guy with the carb rebuild kits? This is from Michael. If uh, anybody out there, I can't remember. There was a guy up in Maine that did some really excellent carburetor work. We had him on the show a couple of times. He had a couple of questions. He helped a couple of people. You know, I don't remember. It was down around the beginning of the fall. Maybe even beginning of the summer. That was before Michael's time. I'm looking at Michael. Michael's going, I <laughs> wasn't me, brother. Um, so if anybody knows, uh, give us a call or drop me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, uh, about the carburetor rebuild kits for the older GMs, and uh, we'll get that out to Michael and uh, get him squared away. So let's um, let's get on over and let's go talk to Pete with an 06 Chrysler PT Cruiser and uh, some trans issues. A lot of transmission problems today. It must have been a tough winter around yeah. America. So uh, what's going on, Pete? Hey, how you doing today? Good, sir. Ron? What's cooking? Uh, uh, 2006 Chrysler PT Cruiser, 100,000 miles, okay. only 100,000 miles on it. Uh, I was trying to get rid of the check engine light off. I've got a charcoal canister issue. Filled up the gas tank and crossed my fingers to see if I could get it to stay off. Right. Driving along, I was about to get back on the highway. The car slammed into first gear. And the park, reverse, neutral, and drive lights on the tachometer all lit up. And I was stuck in first gear. Oh, boy. So and uh, I've tried it one more time since. It's a few days ago. It's been sitting since. But it, the car won't shift out of first gear. Okay. Have you tried scanning for fault codes? Do you have that ability? Yeah, I do. I just have a little uh, Autel. And it doesn't really it doesn't throw anything. In fact, it gives me a like dollar sign seven something for uh, for the EVAP. So yeah, I'm kind of weak with that. Yeah, but, uh, it it sounds like we've got a fault in the in the trans in the trans itself. And I'm going to say it would be nice if we could get into the TCM to see what's going. It sounds like you're stuck in limp mode. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it, although limp mode is second gear, not first, but it sounds like an internal okay, fault that's why in the trans. Well, that's, that would explain why the thing, it, yeah, you could go 40 miles an hour and it didn't seem to 
right. race too much. Right. So maybe you're in second, not first. I think. Okay, you, that's I, fine. I, I think you're in limp mode, which yep. is Chrysler's way of saying, "Hey, we know the thing's going to break, and when it does, at least you get home, so we don't have to buy you a meal in a hotel room overnight." Well, that's um, good. Yeah. So that's nice of them. Um, so at this point, you know, we've got to get it diagnosed. This could be the trans control module um, sitting on the front of the unit. I'm assuming this is an A604. You probably have a D with a circle. You have an A604 trans, not a three speed. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just 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 an ugly transmission to work with. Okay, and, and if, appreciate the, the whole. Yeah, well, and the it, whole under the hood of that car is pretty tight. Yeah, well, it's it's you know, have you done the timing belt on that yet? Oh boy, not yet. Yeah, that's a religious experience. Let me tell you, that's oh yeah, that's that's when you go ten pounds of baloney in a five pound sack, and it's just like wow. Okay, I, good. I was tr I was trying to avoid that. I mean, obviously, I can't even see the serpentine belt on that car. It's like how crazy. Well, I can I can convince you not to fix the trans. Think about doing the timing belt. You know, look at the timing belt on that thing. You'll never want to do the trans in your life. It's just... I mean, I've done them on K-cars and stuff. But right, yeah, very different. Um, if you can get a scan tool that reads or a mechanic that can read, you know, uh, trans control, one yep. of the things you can look at on that, that's an A604, is CVI, clutch volume index. Okay. And you'll, you'll have to look up the numbers. You know, I, I could give you the numbers, but they won't mean anything depending upon the thing what shifted you're... and ran fine before that. Right. Just well, bam. Just remember, my dead dog that wasn't dead yesterday died today. So you know, yeah. it's it's sooner yeah. or later it's going to break. But clutch volume index. If you if you end up having no fault codes, but the trans isn't operating right, uh, take a look at CVI. CVI. Every gear on that transmission has a clutch volume index. Or um, yep. think of a balloon. All right. When when the trans is healthy, it takes so many seconds and so much volume of fluid to fill that hydraulic circuit. Uh, I, I always explain it as a balloon. So maybe first gear the balloon is six inches. Maybe second gear the balloon is eight inches. Maybe third gear the balloon is ten inches, and so on. Yep. So if you look at first gear instead of six inches, first gear the clutch volume index is ten. It's so far out of range. What it's telling you is that something internal in the trans has failed, allowing hydraulic circuitry or hydraulic fluid to leak out of the circuit, and it's got an internal trans fault. The point becomes, looking at clutch volume index and the size of the hydraulic balloon, if you will, may give you information as to that it's an internal problem, and it'll at least give you a direction to go. Look at that. Get it scanned. Call me back. I can do what I can for you. I appreciate the call. I'm Ron and the car doctor. We're back right after this. Hey, Ron and the car doctor. We move into the witching hour, the last half hour of the last hour of this week oh goody um chris wisconsin what's going on how can i help hey ron uh long time listener appreciate what you do here on saturday afternoons it's thanks always, a, always fun to listen to you yeah. um I'm, to i've got an old 99 chevy blazer with just turned over 300,000 on it and yeah. um kind of thinking towards the future maybe upgrading to a little newer model and get wanted to get your thoughts on what you find to be uh a good model and year for someone who likes to do a lot of their own wrenching. Um, what, what I know what, I want a, yeah, a V6 and I want to stay naturally aspirated. I've heard your talk about turbos and those things scare me for repair-wise. Yeah, I just think a turbo, unless I'm going racing, I just don't 
know why I need a turbo to, you know, we just bought Mama a new Explorer, and she looked at me, and she says, what do I want? I said, you want a V6 something with no turbo? I said, because we're just, you know, we're just going to the supermarket, and we're going out to eat with it. We don't need any more than that. Um, yeah. You know, it's just a, to me, it's just another thing to break, and I tend to keep cars, you know, I kept the last one. Gee, how old was her 05 Malibu? What was it, 14 years old? So, you know, I keep them a while. Um, yep. You know, I don't I don't know turbos that are going to go 14, 15 years. And now somebody's going to write me an email and says, mine meant 15 yeah. years. Good, you were the one. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what sort of, what do you want to get into, like a 14, a 15-something? You want to, you know, how far up the ladder do you want to move? Well, that was my thought on it, just to get your input on it, too. It's like I know the newer they get, the harder they are for the weekend mechanic to work on. So what are your thoughts on well, how new... Can I go? Well, the, you know, the, the newer you get, the harder they are for anybody to work on. Um, yeah. The issue becomes the older they are, the less parts are available. And parts yeah. be, parts become an issue. You know, that 99 is a is a very mechanical, nuts and bolts kind of car. Uh, the, 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 the difference between the 99 and the 2009 and then the 2015 is the more electronic they get, the more susceptible they are to what I consider, you know, parts failure. You just, you can't find a piece. They don't keep it around. It's not, it's not available. And then what do you do? Yep. So, you know, you either, you're either going to go to, well, I don't know, look at a, look at a 13, 14 or 15 Explorer V6. That's probably roughly the same size as what, you know, that blazer is, that baby blazer. Yeah. Uh, you know, see what you can find, you know, in the in the 40, 50,000 mile range. I don't care what price is at this point. We know we we know what a new one is, so it's got to be comparable for what we're what we're saving there. And that's yeah. a fairly straightforward easy vehicle, some proper care and maintenance. The downside to those is they do go through the PT the, uh, the PTOs, the power takeoff unit on the side of the transfer case. Um, the seals do leak. Ford did extend some of the warranties on those. You can inquire about that when you purchase it. And okay. they, they do have issues around the 100, 110,000 mile mark with the water pump, which is internal on that V6 because of its location. So that's the bummer. That's, that's the, you know, that's, that's the problem child of that vehicle. But all vehicles have their problems. All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could talk about Toyota Highlanders. Um, or you know, a little small, but the RAV4s, I, yeah, you can still get those with a V6 certain model years. But, you know, then we're going to talk about as they get older, they've got, they've got catalytic converter issues and all the rest of the predictable stuff that Toyotas have go wrong with them, too. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the other way is you go real old. You know, go buy a 78K-Series K, K Blazer. Um, something just big and old, and you know, and you can get more parts for that. It's easier to get parts for something forty years old than it is something ten years old, believe it or not. And yeah, you know, if you're, if you're a weekend warrior, sometimes you know, I always wanted that. Uh, you know, I I keep thinking I'm going to take my '72 Monte Carlo and drive it full time, and then, you know, the the other day I had to go into the city of Newark for something to a parking garage, and I thought about it, and I said, yeah, I think the Monte Carlo would have been gone three three minutes before it. Uh, uh, you know, before I put it in the door, because you know, back in the day, another story. Um, yeah. So you know, Ford Explorer is a nice vehicle. You get into a Ford Escape. Um, if you get into something pre-12, uh, they're solid cars. You know, we've we've seen those go two, two fifty, three hundred thousand miles. You just got to find the right one with low mileage on it. They're pretty much and a brick. Does the Escape still have a naturally aspirated V6 for it? Yes, you can get a, a, a V6 like the 8s, the 9s, the 10s, and that's a good solid vehicle, and it's it's moderately priced. Um, okay. 
you know, and, and I would, would that would that would that uh, escape still be able to tow like a twenty five hundred pound fishing boat? I would think so, and okay. I, you know, I'm not one hundred percent, but it's it's worth inquiring. All right. Okay. Uh, but let's 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 look there. You know, I think the thing okay. you got to think about is it's what's parts availability going to be, and you know. Uh, what kind of shape is it in, and how much rust is on the chassis, and that kind of stuff? You're not ex- you're, you're not exactly in the driest part of the country, so you may want to look. No. In, you may want to look Craigslist, California, and take a take a road trip and buy something down south and bring it north. I so, had that thought. You know, I've got some cousins down in Texas. I've perfect. Been to visit. Yep. Yeah, hey, you know what? It's a good excuse. Let me run, Chris. I'm yep. up against the clock. I got a lot going on today, but I appreciate the call. All right, sir. All right, thanks, Ron. You're very welcome. Let's get over to Lake in Louisiana with uh, some questions about buying a used car. What a concept. Lake, welcome to the car, Doctor. How can I help? Hey, Doc. How are you doing? Thank Good. you for taking my call. Good. You're welcome, sir. Uh, I'm sort of thinking of, uh, about a 2003 through 05 Thunderbird. Neat car. But I, I've read uh, all kinds of things on the Internet about the ignition coil problem. Yeah. And... And I'm wondering, is that is that the sort of the problem that uh, just continues throughout the life of the car, or once you replace the coils, you'll be okay? You know, we've done we we've got a few of those, and that's not just that in the Thunderbird. It's in the Lincoln LS. It's on all the vehicles on that platform, where you know the car will get you know eighty, ninety, a hundred thousand miles on it. You're going to put a set of coils in it. And then it'll go another 50, 60, 70,000 miles, and either by then they've gotten rid of it or, you know, you put another set of coils in it. So it does mm-hmm. seem to continue. I think some of it was the initial coils weren't made as well, but it's also got to do with what sort of spark plug maintenance was done along the way and how hard are you making that coil work. Are you changing mm-hmm. the plugs when you're supposed to? You know, I, I, I guarantee you that nobody is changing spark plugs as often as the manufacturer recommends because there's no indication that you need to. Out of sight, mm-hmm. out of mind. You know, it's it's the plugs are supposed to be done on 105,000 on cars today as an average, and somewhere around 180, somebody gets a check engine light and a misfire, and they go, "Gee, I think I was supposed to put spark plugs in four years ago." Uh, you know, it it, it, it happens. Yeah. So you know, if I read a report on everything that went wrong with the car to decide what to buy, I'd never own anything. I'd have a bicycle. All right. I I just yeah. I, as I just told the previous caller, I bought my wife a Ford Explorer. V6. I know the water pump's going to go bad at 100,000 miles. I just mm-hmm. know it. That's when they fail. I, but I still bought it because I like the car. It's every car's got its problems today, Lake. And yeah. Well, you, you know that's in, that's what you got to think about. Yeah. Well, in this in this car, what I read was that uh, Ford uh, extended the warranty to 10 years, 100,000 miles for the coils, and of course now we're more than 10 years out. Right. So my question, you know, it was, hey, if I know that I'm going to have to replace uh, the coils, will I be okay after that? Well, or is this something that's going to happen every, you know, if, if you're asking every me, five thousand miles? Or if, if you're asking me, did they update the part number? I'm going to tell you that when I replace the coils, I could see mm-hmm. a visible difference in a, in in the vendor the way it was made, and a slight difference in the case. So I'm going to say, yeah, they likely changed something. Exactly what? Okay. That I don't know the answer to. But gotcha. as long as somebody's using a good quality part and they're doing the rest of the maintenance, listen, man, it's a T-Bird. All right? Yeah. Go, go buy mm-hmm. one. Drive it. Life's too short. Have a good time. 
I, okay, right, thank you. You're welcome, sir. You take good care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We're back right after this. on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron let's get over and talk to lee in vermont 17 f250 lee what's going on how can i help oh well it's uh and thanks for taking my call first you're welcome sir uh when i hook the trailer to it or when i unhook the trailer to it and i get out of trailer mode it stays in the the computer on the dash stays in in, in trailer mode, and you have to manually go in and disable the trailer. It doesn't always work. It does not always put up the right okay. uh, message. Any, any, steps. Yeah. I mean, Ford. Ford put this out. Ford has the instructions, and I and I I can't help believe there's not a a, a permanent fix to reprogram the computer or whatever they have. Well, wait, 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 wait. When you say Ford put out, what 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 are you talking about? There's there's a bulletin out about this. You're aware of that. Uh, I thought there was. Uh, there is. 18-2106 came out March of 2018. Have you seen that? No. Oh. 18-2106. Oh, yes, No, sir. I have not. March 29th of 2018, if I remember right. It's been out there a while. And it talks about it talks about if the if the instrument cluster is showing trailer connected and or disconnected one or the other without a trailer connected and or you hook a trailer up and it still shows trailer disconnected, then the bulletin's got some diagnostic steps in and ultimately the problem's gonna be that you're gonna replace the trailer connector at the back of the bumper. Okay. All right, but uh, read the bulletin because Ford actually has extended the warranty on a lot of vehicles. It started model year, if I remember right, uh, as early as model year 2015 on some vehicles. Like I think it's 2015 through 18 F-150s, and it affects navigators and super duties and some of the transits and uh, some of the expeditions and things like that. I I don't I don't doubt it. I just didn't find it, couldn't find it, or whatever. Yeah, it's just out. I, I believed it was out there because of what. This, the manual inst- the manual instructions that Ford put out, if they're putting that out, there's, they know the problem right. exists and there ought to be a fix for it. You know, I've come to the conclusion, and after doing this for 40-something years, not just radio, radio is only 28, um, I've come to the conclusion that every diagnosis for every problem, if you can solve it in 10 minutes because you got lucky because you saw seven of them before the, the day before, that's good. But I think the majority of diagnoses today, it's, it's, it's like the diagnostic routine is the same. Verify the problem, look for bulletins, look for recalls, check NHTSA, check the manufacturer's website, duplicate the condition, and then software updates. And after you go through those six or seven steps, then you can begin the hard diagnosis. Because it, it seems like all those steps have to be taken before you start taking anything apart anymore. Because everything is either software, an update, a component, a warranty, a bulletin, a you know, um, so just just be mindful. All right, but get your hands on that bullet, and that'll speed it up for you. All right, okay. kiddo. I got one more thing for you. Real if quick. You don't mind. Real quick. Uh, a programmer, programmable chip for that truck, six point two liter gas. Nobody seems to want to make one for for a gas, and and well, I think I could... yeah, and that, and the problem is it's 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 too new, in my opinion. And you're right because it's gas. So the only thing you could try is an air intake kit from one of the manufacturers to see if that'll improve it. 
But, you know, nothing's going to really make the big changes until somebody does come out with a chip. So, um, you know, best answer I got, but I know what you're up against. You know, not every vehicle does a chip, you know, make. Uh, Diablo Sport doesn't make a chip for everything, unfortunately, and a lot of it has to do with the sheer numbers of what was made. There was probably more vehicles of that generation built with diesel than gas, and that's why that's where all the money goes. All right, kiddo? I got to go. I'm up against the clock. I'm running into the car, Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back. We're running into the car, Doctor. Jim, Wisconsin. We're going to do two and three minutes. Go, Jim. What do you got? 06 Duramax. Long story short is I've had it since it was new. It's got 160,000 on it. My uh, good friend was going to help me take the box off because I wanted to put stainless steel brake lines on and rebuild all the brakes, all new parts, which I have. Right. So I was going to put in some stant thermostats, and I was thinking that while I was at it uh, to go ahead and put in a new water pump and a new radiator sure. at this vintage. Yeah, ab- uh, absolutely. Your opinion on that, yeah. I had a question about a specific part number. Well, I would I would tell you to let's do let's let's do what parts you can get access to. Think of it like this, it's an 06. It's 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 13 14 years old. It's got high mileage on it. What are we waiting for it to break down on the side of the road and then we're stuck from home and we're dependent upon getting it fixed somewhere else. And then the other issue is let's get some new parts or good quality parts while they're still available before they're discontinued. My 04 Suburban 60,000 miles on it. I had a chance I came across a brand new from GM original GM part number AC compressor paid less than 200 bucks for it I don't need it but I know they're a high failure rate and it's sitting in the shop at the top of my locker in a nice warm spot in the back room and someday when I need it because I'm going to drive that truck forever I'm going to have it and you know AC compressor to me is real important so parts aren't a problem get them while you can and put them on while you can one suggestion when you're doing the stainless steel brake lines put a drop of oil on the back of the flare and so that the yep. nut, when it crushes against the stainless steel, it, it, it goes smoother. And put a drop of oil on the threads of the line so when you tighten it down, you can really crush it because stainless is hard to get to seal. One of the problems I run into when I do the hot rods, every time I do stainless, I've tried that trick, and it works really well. It kind of holds things together. All right, kiddo? Those are on the, direct, those are on the directions for it. Right, yeah. yeah. Put a drop of oil on the threads and on the back side of the flare, and uh, I think you'll be better off. And change whatever parts you can get access to as long as it's a good quality Part preferably made in USA or Mexico, not our not, not our newest state, China. All right, kiddo, do that. You got any other questions? Give me a call back. Let's get over and talk to Charles in Virginia. What's going on here, Charles? Real quick, uh, I have a wiring problem. I think ninety-eight Ford Taurus. The interior ceiling lights are staying on. Okay, so I take the bulb out to keep them from running the battery down. All right, do you recall which door or when it occurred? That it, it just one day you just noticed you opened and closed the door and the light didn't go out. Um, it's my granddaughter's car. It, it just she just noticed it wouldn't go out and it actually stayed on with all the doors closed. Okay, but do you remember which? Do you happen to remember which door? Is it that she's a one passenger vehicle, you know, driver that it's always the driver's door, and then one day she closed the driver's door and the light didn't go out, or is she? Yeah, yeah, driver's door. Driver's door. So if it's the driver's door, it's likely the door jam switch, which is inside the door. The door panel's got to come off. The door jam switch. You actually have to face the front of the car and shut.
shove your arm back to the door latch, you'll find it and twist it. Go Google it, look online, you'll see it's a little tiny switch that twists into the bottom of the door latch. It's got a very short stroke plunger, not even a 32nd of an inch. Sometimes I'll take a little liquid wrench or WD-40, put a drop of it on where the latch is that the pinion the pin catches on i'll shoot a little in there sometimes it'll go into the switch soak its way in and release the plunger try that call me back till next time i'm running in the car doctor reminding you good mechanics aren't expensive they're priced 